Sean spent most of his childhood with his dad and granddad, building all kinds of inventions and fixing things in the shop. Sean has built a couple of Airstream cigar lounges, a mobile stage truck, several youth centers, a retail men's store, restored several hot rods, and is a current Guinness World Record holder. He's also a furniture maker, event producer, and DJ. All things he accomplished after his 9-to-5 job. The heart of American Grindstone has come from Sean's ever-creating mind. Today we sit down with Sean to learn about what makes a doer and find inspiration for our own journey ahead. The Grindstone. My sunny boy kept his nose to the Grindstone. Never give up, never surrender. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's nice to be on my own podcast. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> Sitting down with you, I was like, well, this is going to be great. Yeah. And easy. Easy. No. <laughs> easy. We just hanging, baby. That's right. Hanging like uh, our good friend Hillary over there. Mm-hmm. The Hillary was the name, correct? Hillary. Okay, yes. cool. All right. So I wanted to know, and, and, and we've known each other for a while now, mm-hmm. on and off, but never really hung out as much as we've been hanging out lately. We've been casually dating. We, we have it, yeah, we've been yeah. casually dating. I'd see you around the skating rink and, you know, <laughs> wonder. You know. But... um. You do so much. I've always known about your entrepreneurial um, ways, if you will, if mm-hmm. your ways, your, your Jedi ways. And uh, I've always kind of wanted to sit down and, and have this type of interview with you. We've had it a little bit before, but not so, you know, where I can ask the hard-hitting questions. It's good. So in terms of being a doer, who is Sean Taylor? Yeah, um, that's a great question. You know, I think often about, um, you know, what kind of drives me, and it's definitely curiosity and passion, right? I'm always wanting to learn new things, make make things, uh, restore things. I like taking what is discarded and repurposing it or making it beautiful. Um, and so I'm always just driven by that. You know, I have an old family piano, and I'm getting ready to mill it and build it into a bed um, right. because I didn't want to throw the piano out. It's been yeah. in my family for three generations and it's trash, but yeah. the wood is really good and it holds a lot of significance. And I grew up playing that piano. I grew up playing music around it with my guitar and my and family and friends. And so to, I thought, well, let's make this into something useful. And I need a bed right now. So I figured, why not build a bed? <laughs> so that also came out of necessity as well. Necessity, <laughs> passion, and curiosity. That was my next question. I'm like, why a bed? And you're yeah. like, because I need one, right? I need a I bed. I need one desperately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's great. Uh, well, when, for me, like when I think about entrepreneurs, like I always think like they, these guys got to figure it out. You know, you go into Shark Tank or you like just seeing the sharks themselves or just seeing all these people that do all these business ventures, whether it's making something that's already been created better or creating something all, you know, by themselves. Mm-hmm. What this is going to sound weird, but what gives you the right to be bold? Where, <laughs> where do you allow yourself to to go? Go for it, man. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, I've always liked building stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember I got a job at a cabinet shop, and the first summer I worked there, I tried to build a cabinet, even though all I was doing at the shop that summer was sanding. I was the only yeah. male sander at this custom cabinet shop. And I tried to build my own cabinet, and it was super whack. Like, yeah. I didn't want anybody to see it, and I swore I would never build a cabinet again. Yeah. Um, and then at, by the end of the summer, I had built uh, beautiful, some beautiful furniture That's um, just by learning how to make a simple box. Yeah. Um, and I remember, like, my dad just giving me permission, like, son, you're going to go, and you're going to learn how to build a box. It's one of the most basic things you can learn, but you're going to be able to do so much with it. And by giving me that permission, it just kind of opened my mind to, like, oh, I'm going to – back then, I built a bed and nightstands <laughs> using uh, the cabinet shop as kind of a place for me to learn. Yeah. And I didn't just uh, sand on my brakes. I walked around to the other stations, and I wanted to learn – what different kinds of things people were doing in those stations. And I wanted to see it and I wanted to get my hands on it. And um, so that's always driven me. Um, early In the early 2000s, a friend of mine and I, we were buying cars at an auction and flipping them to sell. And oh, I yeah. remember we bought this one car and it uh, the engine was bad. And it was a um, Toyota 4Runner. And he just started ripping the engine out of this car and called me over one night and said, hey, could you come give me a hand? And I went over and I was like, how do you know how to do this? And he's like, oh, I don't. And I thought, wait, what? He says, well, I just pull off each piece and I label it and I label the spot I took it from and I just pull them apart 
and I'm going to just pull this engine out. I'm going to put another one in. I'm going to put everything right back where I got it. And to me, it was like, it was a turning point. It was a pivot in my life where I went, oh my gosh, you don't have to know everything to just start doing it. And ever since that day, I felt like there's, there's nothing that I can't do. And it's not because I'm talented or because I'm, um, really good. I'm just willing to give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I'm not a good entrepreneur in the sense of like, I don't, I haven't made millions of dollars. I haven't even made tens of thousands of dollars (laughs) entrepreneuring. Right. But I've enjoyed everything I've done. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the thing. That's the heart of what we want to do with this podcast. But it's also, it's just my heart. Yeah. I want to learn from people. I want to build. I want to grow. uh, And I want to try things that are scary. And maybe other people don't want to do. Yeah. It's uh, it's so, you put up a good point of like giving yourself permission to do that. Like your friend who, that you know, in a day before all of, you know, YouTube and the internet and everything else where you could just like, some dude's going to show you how to do it. Yep. He was just figuring it out and labeling it all. But he gave himself permission to, to fail. At Absolutely. That. Well, it's funny Wonderful. because now we have YouTube, right, where we can go learn that stuff. But oh, I sure. didn't have that growing up. I, uh, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, I went over to my granddad's shop and he was always repairing lawnmowers. And so I learned how to work on lawnmower engines. And my dad wouldn't let me have a four-wheeler. So my granddad would give me a lawnmower and I learned how to make lawnmowers go faster. (laughs) And, um, and I always blow the engines and then I had to take the engine off and yeah, (laughs) always too far. But I, you know, I got to sit with my granddad. I got to sit with my dad. I got to learn those things. You know, I got my first car when I was 14 and uh, spent a year and a half restoring it. And I've never, I'm 14. I didn't know anything. And my dad didn't know everything. And my granddad didn't know everything. And my cousin didn't know everything, but they all knew enough. And Mm -hmm. so there's different points in the process where they would jump in and teach me. Now it's funny because like my son, he just blew the head gasket in his truck this last year. (laughs) And he'd saved up since he was 12 for that thing. Like four years of his life, he'd been saving to buy this truck and I couldn't scrap the truck. Right. I have no idea how to repair a head gasket and all my friends are super busy. And so we just YouTube that bad boy and it took us a while, but we did it. We rebuilt the whole thing, the whole engine from the ground up and he's driving it today. That's crazy. You know, that's crazy. Cause you're not afraid to take a risk. Well, and it's like that generational, like your dad gave you permission. Here's a box, make a box. Right. Or your mm-hmm. grandfather, when you guys are working on cars, like bringing you along and it's the same for your son. Right. So it's like, generationally giving that permission to be like, it's okay to fail. It's okay to succeed. Yeah. Even better so. And you don't have to know everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. You don't have to know everything. I think the thing that keeps most people from doing uh, the things that they love or the things mm. that they're interested in is, I don't know how to do it, so therefore, I won't do it. Oh, for sure. But often, I'm, I'm a person that learns by getting my hands dirty and doing it. And so, okay, I don't know how to do it either, but let's figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. That that uh, fear of failure, so you never jump into it. You just mm-hmm. don't do anything because you're like, oh, if I do that, I'll probably fail. Or yeah. I don't know anything about it, right? Yep. Or I'm out of my depth. Yep. It's so much different now with that, like like kind of like we've been talking about, but the this age of knowledge. But even with that age of knowledge, it still doesn't bring that permission, right, mm-hmm. to do that. So I get that. Yeah, you know, even doing my son's truck, like I didn't – I mean, we're watching the video and it's telling you step by step on how to do it, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, there's so many little things. Yeah. And so I had this friend of mine, Lauren, who's a 70-year-old hippie, ex-pastor mechanic that, like, would come over. You and put Jesus in this Yeah, he would, just, he would just smoke my little cigars. He would just smoke my cigars and have a beer. And he would sit there and, yep. and he would listen to the engine and help us tune it. And, How crazy. You know, so, like... Even even this day and age where I've done a bunch of engines and I've done a bunch of cars and uh, I have YouTube, it wasn't. It's not always enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For and sure. So beyond just overcoming the fear of diving in, it's also surrounding yourself with people or going and finding people that have some knowledge in that as well. Yeah, confidence building people. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. Yeah. For sure. When I was in college, the transmission went out in my car and. Um, I had some friends that I had a house, and so I brought my car over. Uh, I pushed my car across the street and brought it to their house. 
and I had to fixing this. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't have any. I didn't have any tools. Yeah. I didn't have any knowledge. Is a front. It was a front wheel drive car too. Mm. So I went to a transmission shop and I said, "Hey, I need to do this." And they said, "Go get the Chilton manual." You know about this book because there's no YouTube yet, right? And go get the Chilton manual. Follow the step by step, and then bring us the transmission. We'll fix it, but you'll save yourself a bunch of money. So I did. I went. It took me like three months because I'm under that car and I'm taking things apart. But oops, I took the wrong thing off. I better put that back up. Oh, I took you know, and I just and I'm in the winter. It's cold out there, right? Yeah, I'm freezing. I've got very minimal tools, right? Yeah. It's whatever I got at the used tools store. And then when I pulled the transmission, I took it to those guys and I said, okay, and I had them show me how to fix it, and they fixed it. Yeah, I got to watch, and then I brought it back, and I put it back in, and drove my car out. You know, a little while later. Yeah, it's that kind of same thing where it's at the furniture shop, right? You're going station to station, watching these guys. Yep. Then at the mechanic shop, you're watching these guys. Yep. You know, that's a that um, being proactive in your life to be able to do the things that are out of necessity or just like wanting to just build that knowledge in your head to have forever. Yep. You know, you don't see a lot of that these days. Mm -mm. My dad, the line that my dad always used, and it was usually like more in a threatening manner, but he always said, don't let fear or common sense hold you back. Oh, I love that. And so that was usually if I was being kind of a, a smart aleck to my dad and yeah. I knew I was pushing it, he'd see like, son, don't let fear or common sense hold you back. But the reality is, is that played throughout, still plays throughout my life. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And it rings through your head. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you wanted it to with that or not. But exactly. now you're like, gosh, he was right. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. I can hear that deep guttural <laughs> John Taylor voice in my head. Like, don't let fear or common sense hold you back. Okay, let's go. Your dad's name is John Taylor? Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love that. John and Sean? <laughs> John and Sean. All the time. Yep. What was your grandfather's name? John. John is also yeah. John uh, Sr., John Jr. Yeah, he went by Harry. He went by Harry? Yeah, he didn't even know his name was John until he got into the Army, and they gave him his, like, in World War II, and they gave him his stuff, and what? it had J-A-H-T, and he said, who is this? I'm Harry Taylor. And they're like, well, your, your given name is John. Like, <laughs> yeah, here's your dog tags, by the way. <laughs> That's what the military is. First, they take, they, they bring me in, then they change my name. No. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. How wild. Yeah. It's crazy. That's crazy. So it was uh, something that your his parents called him that kind of a nickname. Yeah. And all the Taylor men in my family have the middle name Aaron from gotcha. my great, great, great uncle. And it's, yeah. Oh, it's wild. Yeah. Wild, man. I love that. Yeah. I love that kind of tradition. Learn a little bit about you. So building cars, DJing, woodworking are very different disciplines. For sure. sure. Absolutely. Uh, how did you become proficient in all these different crafts? Yeah, it's a lot of different things like we've been talking about. I mean, for sure. it's a willingness to learn, yeah. right? Years ago, like with the DJ thing, like I DJed in high school uh, with the dual CD players. And I, <laughs> I tried my hand at radio DJing for a while in college. And after college, I, my first job out of college was a radio DJ. So I started to learn how to like mix music and talk over it and stuff, and I thought it'd be really fun. Um, but it was like in 2010, I signed my kids up to go to this little Christian school, and I needed to find a way to pay for it because I couldn't afford yeah. the 16 grand a year to send four kids to this school. Dang. And this guy came to me at a coffee shop and said, hey, somebody gave me your name and said you'd be really great to DJ my daughter's uh, quinceanera. And I was like, I, I, don't, uh, I don't do that uh, anymore. And he's like, well... What if I paid you up front? And I said, okay. Yeah. And so he paid me up 500 bucks up front. I bought a tiny little mixer. I downloaded some software. <laughs> I bought a bunch of lights because it needed to be a party. Yeah. And, um, and then I started going around to churches because they had a bunch of broken gear in it. There's one thing I learned totally. from all the years I was working in churches is they always have broken gear in the back. And so yeah. I'd bring the speakers home and I'd take them apart and I'd figure out what was wrong with them. Oh, no way. And then I'd fix them. So I... Built this whole sound system out of old speakers. Yeah. And I DJed this party. And the same weekend, that guy got another gig for me that same weekend at the same venue. So I DJed two parties. And then the word got out that I was pretty fun. Yeah. And so I started DJing more. And I started developing the craft. I started learning about mixing music and beat matching. And yeah. um, I learned, I'm, started learning how to scratch and I'm not that good. And, um, but I just started doing those kind of things and I made myself a student of sound. Yeah. Um, 
and I just dove in. That's crazy. And, you know, I, at one point I had a 20-foot trailer and five sound systems and video screens and the whole thing. And, you know, I was doing really big events and all this kind of stuff all the time. But it all came out of the fact that oh, I was just willing to kind of jump in and make do with what I had. Yeah, yeah. And, and learn more and more as you went along. Exactly. It's funny because years later that guy hired me back for his daughter's college graduation or something. No, his daughter's wedding. Full circle. It was full circle. (laughs) And at this point I had a trailer and I had all this gear and I had all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, And I was like, yeah, we called my business is called the beat farm. Oh, I love it. And uh, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And I, I told this guy like, this is all because you gave me 500 bucks and asked me to DJ your daughter's quinceanera. Like I couldn't believe it. Right. That's crazy. So it's neat, man. He's like, you got much better. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, (laughs) You set up is crazy. So I think in all of those things, like, Oh, I'm interested in woodworking. I want to learn how to, but I don't want to just like nail some stuff together. I want to learn how to like how wood grain works. And I learned that when I was standing at the cabinet shop, I learned about wood grain and, I want to learn how to mill. I want to mill my own wood. Like yeah. I want to start with the bark on the side of it, and I want to cut it. Make my own so boards. Old school. I yeah. love that. I just picture you out there, you know, like a shipyard. Just yeah, it was more it a big down. machine that you feed it. Through, oh, but yes, <laughs> yes. I like. I went so far back. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, he's in a wife beater, just uh, going for it. Yeah. With straw hanging yeah, out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not that old, yeah. <laughs> but um, but I love. I I want to learn as much as I can, and curiosity yeah. continues to drive me. So. With a car, with DJing, with that, with whatever, uh, it's just being willing yeah. to put yourself out there and give it a shot. I love that. I love that, man. Yeah. Um, uh, now, I, I've i been to the the tin can, your cigar lounge that you made out of an Airstream before, mm. and it, this thing is so incredibly impressive. Anyone that knows about it or has been to it that's listening to this podcast knows it is absolutely gorgeous. Where, do you, where does something like that come from i I gotta know the story of that is what it is essentially yeah so i've been smoking cigars for like 25 years right but um when i i started traveling for a job at this company called faith life and i was a conference speaker and so i'd go to 40 cities a year Mm -hmm. and i'd speak at conferences well when you're on the road that much um you can kind of find yourself in a rut and i just didn't want to hang out in a bar i didn't want to hang out in my hotel room i wanted to experience these cities Mm -hmm. so i studied food in those cities that I'd go to and want to learn about the restaurants. But I also wanted a place to kind of decompress and I found cigar lounges now up here in Washington. That's not really a thing. No, I hadn't heard of it before you truly. So I'm going to these cities and I'm finding cigar lounges and it's a common thing throughout cities and they were beautiful and they were fun and they were lively. And you know, I'd be in Cleveland playing dominoes and I'm the only white guy in the place. And then I'm in Frisco, Texas and I'm walking into a, bank vault converted into a, a humidor oh, and i'm seeing really rare old cigars yeah. and you know you're going to these places and seeing these really cool things and then i would come home on rainy washington nights and i'd freeze my butt off in the shop next to a heater <laughs> and i have my buddies over and we'd all be sitting there like this you won't believe yeah of this vault that i was in <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah sure sean <laughs> and it totally took away from like the luxury experience yeah. that i had begun to enjoy that makes total sense and so i i bring idea books with me everywhere i have them on my backpack so i write on my phone sometimes but i try not to write on my phone because i find myself getting distracted and deluded yeah yeah I get that. um but I have these idea books and I'm always just writing down things I want to make. And so that and Pinterest, I live on Pinterest, right? <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I truly really do. Yeah, man. Like from face makeup to like <laughs> any woodworking project. Okay, well, I've never done makeup. It's more, um, like, it's more like transforming my kid's face into like an animal. Oh, got it, got it. it that's also It's not like an eyeshadow. <laughs> yeah, I guess I should have I clarified in the yeah, very beginning. Yeah, it's not like, Thank how to, you. It's not like male rouge yeah, or something. <laughs> thanks for not letting me leave this podcast. Yeah, okay. Clarifying that. I wanted to make sure. But anyways, Pinterest. Yeah, on. so, you know, I have a board on there <laughs> called Things I Want to Make. And it was funny, I reviewed it. I, about a year ago or six months ago. And I was like, man, I've made 60% of the things on this list Oh, that's um, great. because I have these idea books. So when I was traveling, I started looking at Washington state laws and I found like, Oh, in Washington state, you can't have a public smoking venue like a cigar lounge. Oh yeah. But then I found, Oh, but you can have a members only. 
but in Washington, you can't have any employees mm-hmm. um, in a place. So how do I have an employee-less, members-only place? Yeah. And it can't be a building attached to another building. So how do I do that? And Oh, man. So I, I, started, I didn't even know that back. You yeah. You really did the whole runner. Oh, I started just like, you know, you go on the Google rabbit trails, right? For and you sure. start studying the laws. And I'm no lawyer. In fact, I skim read everything. Yeah. And, but I'm reading it, and I'm going, how can I, how can I build something that would maybe benefit other people too. Cause yeah. I had had a couple of houses where I'd built like a cigar room. Sure. But in this season I didn't have a cigar room I could build. And so I started thinking, well, what could I do? And I love restoration. Yeah. So I thought, what, what if I went and got an old Airstream and I gutted it and I put a cigar lounge in it. So I got my idea book out and I just drew a little quick sketch yeah. of what it could look like. I came back, I ran into a friend of mine, Corey, I showed him what I was thinking of. And he's like, dude, I have, an airstream sitting in my yard like my brother-in-law and i were going to do a airbnb and he kind of backed out and so i don't know what to do with this thing now and he's like my wife wants it out of the driveway and i was like oh okay so i went over (laughs) best case scenario yeah (laughs) so i went over and hooked my truck up to it and i said okay well here's the deal we're not going to go in debt over this and Mm -hmm. um so i brought it home and it sat for a while but when i was traveling i was meeting artists and entertainers and people in the green room at these conventions and conferences i was speaking at and i met this great guy and uh we were talking about side hustles and i showed him the stage truck that i had built and i said it's attached to my newly acquired airstream and said i think i'm thinking about turning this into a mobile cigar lounge and he goes that's amazing yeah i went down and spoke and then i came back up and he turned his laptop around he goes here's how i can be your business partner no. And so I came home, I wrote up an LL, I learned how to write an LLC. Yeah. I learned how to write partnership agreements. Um, I That's That's researched wild. all that kind of stuff. I got our tobacco license and all that. Once I got that all in place, I sent it to him. He signed and sent me a check and it was enough money to build the first trailer. And so now I had the cash. Yeah. So I got the trailer. Yeah. Um, I know how to take stuff apart really good. So <laughs> yeah. Demo is the best. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was a perfectly nice trailer. Yeah. Uh, it was all original. I gutted it, and then what I did is what I like to do all the time is I set up a chair in the corner, a little ashtray, and I just spent a couple weeks sitting there enjoying a cigar and envisioning the space. Yeah. And once I started doing that, it's funny, the first purchase I made was um, the trailer is called an it's an Avion, mm-hmm. and the model is an Argonaut. Mm-hmm. I love history. And so the Argonauts were the sailors that went with Jason to search for the Golden Fleece in Greek lore. Yeah. It's like the first ship in Greek lore. Yeah. And so I knew when I was designing the trailer in my head and in my sketch pad was I wanted to use period correct metals. So I don't want to use steel or chrome or, you know, I I don't want silver. I want bronze and coppers and things like that. Yeah. So the first thing I bought with this, all this money was a little statue of Hector and a little statue of Achilles in combat. Oh, that's so great. And I and my and my business partner Corey, whose trailer I'm renovating, looks at me and is like, "What the heck are you doing?" And I was like, <laughs> "Is the first purchase, bro? This is inspiration." <laughs> and I knew where I was going to put them, and I stuck them up right where I was going to put them, and they're there to this day. Yeah. And I started going to town. Uh, dude, that's crazy to 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 use uh, any inspiration, but also like. To keep yourself in that moment, that's why I kind of I was hearing from the kind of mm-hmm. tail end of that story to like I'm gonna sit in this space for two weeks, really just like pour myself into this space, have these ideas, but also to keep yourself on your trips and your travels, to keep thinking about it and adding yep. new things, knowing what metals I want to use. You were really involved in that kind of. You kept yourself mentally in that space. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. And it was neat because, like, you know, there's a spot where there's all the rivets on the front of the trailer yeah. inside. And I drilled all those out, and I, I replaced them with copper rivets. Oh, it's so right? crazy. Because I'm like, I don't want chrome rivets there. I don't want painted rivets. I want yeah. copper. Keep the whole, replace the rivet. Exactly. That's genius. That reminds, it reminds me of, like, uh, the aviator with DiCaprio just, like, Needs more rivets. Like, you yeah. know, he's like OCD about the rivets yes. on the side of the plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brass rivets. Yeah, I'm always thinking about that, right? And yeah. I brought my buddy, you know, I, I didn't know how to, like, I wanted comfortable seats. Yeah. And it'd be easy to make just a 90 degree bench. Sure. But I was like, no, I want comfortable seats. And so I talked to my buddy who's a framer and I said, hey, I want to build these, these seats. And so we just did the work together. We researched like the most comfortable seats were these BMW seats in a car. Mm-hmm. So we, we like looked at the, um, the slope 
um, of the seats. Oh, and the then, angle of that? Yeah, all the angles. And then we framed it to fit that angle so it would maximize no. so your legs aren't 90 but your legs are slightly reclined you know slightly up yeah and your knees are down and you know i didn't know anything about upholstery so i bought a bunch of chairs off amazon and i threw the frames away and i used the cushions no. the leather cushions for the seating i didn't know that you went that far into the oh, detail of it deep, i had no clue every no detail clue. every part of that trailer was planned and thought about and oftentimes we'd try something it didn't work and we'd try something else and and i had this you know huge cachet of wood you know i was the fifth generation in the same house growing up and Mm -hmm. my there was this walnut tree that my dad played under as a kid Mm -hmm. and it blew down in 1962 and my dad my granddad cut it into logs because we were a logging family back then and then my dad was a woodworker cut it into slabs and gotcha. those sat in his shop for decades. And then I took those slabs and I milled them down and I built the, t- the countertop. Oh. I built all of the armrests. I built the back piece where, where Hector and Achilles are in battle. There's a, there's kind of a big oh, that's piece. that's all from that tree? Yeah. And I have so much of that wood. I built a desk out of it. I built a bunch of stuff out of it over the years. But um, I wanted the trailer to tell a story and I wanted yeah. everywhere you sit to see something that resonates with you, right? I just didn't realize there was so much of your DNA in that. Yeah. Like, truly. Like, I mean, it shows. And I, I mean, bled a lot, so there's literally yeah. my DNA in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like, black light, that place, it is everywhere. <laughs> there's blood everywhere. <laughs> my dad always said, if you're not bleeding, you're not working hard enough. And, is that uh, for real? Yeah. yeah, I think it's a curse upon my family because <laughs> I, I bleed at every project. I bleed all over yeah. it. So. Well, that brings me into my next question of, like, something like that where you're saying, like, we would, you know, we would try something it wouldn't work and try something it wouldn't work until you got it right. Like what, what keeps you from burnout or like, do you burn out? Yeah. Maybe oh, a absolutely. There. That's a great question. You know, my, I have over a thousand hours into, I've built two of those trailers now. So I have over yeah. a thousand hours into each of them. Jeez. I say it's about 1500 hours, but 500 hours or, you know, a couple, a couple hundred hours was smoking a cigar and yeah. <laughs> watching an episode of Seinfeld or something. Yeah. You know, creative like, process. Yeah. Creative it's a process. creative process, yeah. <laughs> but it was like a, easily a thousand hours of just work. Yeah. Right. And I'm talking like my family went to bed at 10. Yeah. I would go out and work until two in the morning and then I'd work on Saturdays, but I'd never worked on Sundays. Right. Like, so like, sure. you know, I had to pace myself like a great example of burning out would be. I knew that I wanted the walls to ha- be slatted, like the slatted wood. Yeah. And I had a contractor buddy stop by one day just to see what I was up to, and I told him what I wanted to do, and he's like, dude, don't do that. It's so much work. It's so exhaustive. Like, yeah. it's going to take you so much time. I mean, it's very similar to this yeah. dinner, though, yep. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. And I said, okay, um, yeah, it's probably a good idea. So I went out and bought wood grain flooring mm-hmm. that was adhesive, and I put it on the on the walls and I came back the next morning and it all fallen off. Oh, so then I went and got rubber cement and I like talked to a friend. He's like, Oh yeah, if you use rubber cement, get it tacky rubber cement, the back of the stuff and then put it on there. It'll be great. So I did that and I spent two days rubber cementing this stuff to the walls and no joke, I came back the next morning, and it was all on the floor. It was that rubber cement that we used in grade school. That's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we roll it into it a It was ball. the stuff we yeah. ate and sniffed. Yeah. 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 And I, three times I did this, yeah. and three times it fell off. Good and Lord. it never looked the way I wanted it to look. Yeah. And I, I gave up. I didn't come out there for weeks. I couldn't yeah. even go out there. I was so discouraged. I put all this work into it. So finally, I was like, well, I know what I wanted to do. Yeah, from the beginning. And I've put all of this work into this, yeah. which is now more than I probably would have put into that. So I went and got a bunch of old fur, and I I planed it. I ran it through the table saw in, like, one-inch strips. Yeah. I pre-drilled every hole, hand-sanded every piece, stained every piece. Yes. Created a little jig, you know, to put it and space everything evenly, and I just went to work. And I did, it's a thousand screws, right? It's 900 and something screws. And I just went and I just, I found the, I, I even found a screw that I wanted that had a finish that I wanted that yeah. had like a, had a, a shape of the head that I wanted. Because again, I wanted the whole thing. I wanted you to get lost in the space. Yes. And so I did. And I put so many hours into that. I exhausted myself. Oh, it shows, man. And putting it together. But when you walk in there, it's one of the first things that people see is that the lines, right? And yes. how it draws you in. Yeah. So it's got that old school kind of vibe you just don't see anymore. 
from the outlets to every, like you said, the screws. And I didn't know you drew, drilled all those holes. That must have taken forever. It was forever. Pre-drilling those. Yeah, and I had my son out there, and we were passing the wood through the <laughs> planer, and then we were passing the wood through the table saw, yeah. and we're making all these little one-inch-by-one-inch slats, right? <laughs> and then we're drilling all the holes, and yeah. then we're sanding each piece. And it, it's a lot. I think the thing that kept me from discouragement was, one, it was accountability. Yeah. Like, I had somebody else's money now invested in this, and For I had sure. somebody else who gave me this trailer to work on and now I'm sitting there. So yeah. I, I do need to get back out there. And two, it was vision. Mm-hmm. Like I know what I want. Yeah. I know what this can be. I got to knuckle down and do it. And I was so unmotivated to even get started again. But then once I started going, man, I found my, I found my lane. Yeah. And it's funny because I have all these little rituals. Like if I worked in the morning, I would listen to podcasts and I would listen to audiobooks. Afternoon, it was all like 90s grunge or like hip hop. Like, yeah, it was all I would do. And at night, I played like a TV show in the background while I was oh, working. Gotcha. So, a friend of mine was in Boston and he bought me a little hand cut sign of the show Cheers because I watched two full seasons of Cheers while I was putting those slats up. What? And so, there's when you go in the trailer, there's a little Cheers. I've seen it. Yeah, I have seen cut it. Out, yeah. Cut out sign because it reminds me. Of that grind. I just, I assumed that the, the airstream was just, you know, where everybody knows your name. Uh, but <laughs> Which is also which true. Is it's also small. True, which is also true. <laughs> That's what, two full seasons. Yeah, I had two full seasons of the show Cheers that just played in the background. I, yeah. you know, I would never watch something that I would be engaged in or engrossed in. It was always usually a sitcom and an old one that I had seen a million times. Yeah. And I could just zone out and go to work, right? And now it triggers you. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, when you hear the song. (laughs) So, yeah, the motivation came from accountability. The motivation came from having a vision. And the motivation came through routine. Yeah. Like, I got to have routines, things going on. Yeah. That I that can help me kind of focus in this moment. That is such a great point that you bring up because that's like something I think like humans in general realize where it's like kind of when you're down and out or just complacent Mm -hmm. that becomes your routine to be complacent yes and the talk talking on podcast of you know how do we become doers once you just start setting these goals yourself like hey i'm gonna go to bed at 10 o'clock at night and i'm gonna Mm -hmm. wake up at six in the morning even on weekends that becomes a routine yes right so when you're working and working and working like it's almost like you have recorrected your mind. Yeah. Not that I'm sure you were already doing stuff before. Well, and I'm prone to anxiety and depression, right? Like I feel those things real big. And so I remember not, you know, going out at 10 o'clock at night when everybody else is going to bed. Yeah. I'm a night person, but it took a lot. For sure. And because there's nobody there going, hey, you need to get back to work. You know, you're having to kind of get to an internal dialogue where you're like, okay, just get up and go do it. Yeah. Just one day. Yeah. Just go do this one day. Go just start playing in the wood. Now yeah. just start cutting the wood. And some days you just really had to talk yourself into it to yeah. push through. You, to simplify it for yourself where it's like just tonight. Just tonight. Get out there tonight. Yep. They're all in bed anyways. Oh, man, that's really Put smart. Put something on that is refreshing and encouraging for you. You yeah. know, that's why. Like in the morning, my brain's always sharp. And so podcasts and audiobooks, I'm really like tuned in. In the afternoon, yeah. I kind of want to zone out a little bit, right? For sure. So I'm just going to put music on. I can sing along or rap along too, right? Yeah, and yeah, you night, know it. Like I want to just kind of laugh. I need some humor. So I'm going to put that stuff on while I'm going. And it's just background noise for me, right? Yeah. Like, it's like staying lifted. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that for me personally, like my whole part of this, uh, you know, this in the podcast is like, I want to be more of a doer. Mm-hmm. So truly like l- hearing these things is actually super helpful for me because it's like, I am someone that does um, get a, a bit complacent, you know what I yes. mean? And it's, it's almost like I don't even realize I'm doing the routine and the routine is just happening to me. Right. Yes. But it's like, no, you get up, you make a choice in your life and it's your choice if you do anything at all yeah right so i love that i love these little tricks that you're i think the idea is is like we all have jobs that we have to do and and oftentimes in my life i've had jobs that i didn't like most of my life i've had jobs that i've really enjoyed but i've had jobs where i didn't like that job yeah um and so to come home from that job and then to feel like you want to go do something else is exhausting like it's just easier to turn on the tv and watch other people do something oh for sure but the heart uh my own my own heart and i think the heart of what we're trying to build here Mm -hmm. is no like that's a routine you could break out of yeah you don't have to know everything 
It's just about being curious. It's about following a passion and diving in. And next thing you know, you might end up with some really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And something to show for it too. Yeah. You know, American Grindstone is brought to you by Travax, the ultimate gear for the modern adventurer. Whether you're hitting the trails, exploring the city, or just navigating everyday life, Travax has you covered. Here is the Contour. It's my own personal everyday carry. The Contour is Travax's sleek and durable wallet that is designed to be your EDC companion. Made from top grain leather and precision engineered metal, the Contour not only looks great, but is built to withstand whatever life throws at you. But that's not all. Travax also offers a wide range of rugged belts, their skeletonized field knife, and the ever-popular OG 2.0, as well as other essentials that blend form and function seamlessly. Elevate your everyday carry with Travax, where style meets durability. Travax, earn your story. Uh, one one thing I w- I'm just like really curious about is like, ha- has there ever been something, like a failure happened where at first you really were like man this is catastrophic or just like i can't this is wild that it's happening but then ended up being a blessing or learning from something huge Mm -hmm. an an example of that if you have that yeah you know i uh yeah lots of failure yeah (laughs) um and it's funny because i was um i have a a photo album on my phone I, i try to make albums to like um uh, organize my photos so I'm not that guy that's like, oh, let me show you. It's right here. You know, oh, I don't I'm be not, that guy. I'm that guy. Yeah, I'm still that guy. So I, I try to move in things April. into albums yeah. and stuff. And and so I have one called Failed Attempts. Yeah, and it's stuff that I've failed at. Um, it's genius. Yeah, uh, and I want to remind myself of those things. Yeah. Uh, one was the youth center. I was given a building with a mini golf course in it, and the whole nine, and I worked with a top notch design team to create. Like, I had all these really great resources, and I needed to raise money for it, and I couldn't, I didn't raise money for it. Oh, wow. I just couldn't get the money. I couldn't get the momentum. Yeah. And at one point you just have to go, okay, I'm just not going to do that. And I felt like a huge failure because I had tried to raise money and, um, we were trying to raise like 60 grand and we'd raised, I don't know, 15, 20. Yeah. But I could just tell it wasn't, you can just tell sometimes with an idea, it's just not going to go. Yeah. And so I, I bounced on it and, but next thing I know it became a community center for a big missions organization called YWAM and oh no way and that to this day it you know kids from all over the world come and use this space to learn how to serve in their community oh it's amazing and I love so YWAM. yeah so failed attempt you know turn into community blessing absolutely yeah. and i would say every job every project every idea every whatever is always on the verge of failing yeah um every one of them like the trailer that's a great example like i, I was ready to give up yeah. And I was ready to scrap it. And you're like, I'm just going to walk away from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of funny because like the best deals when you're buying old Airstream trailers mm-hmm. is to go find somebody on C- Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or whatever or on eBay who had an idea, tried to do the idea, was overwhelmed <laughs> by the idea, and they're, they got to get rid of the makes idea. total sense. Right? That makes total sense. I so, talk, think about that. Yeah, I see people that list Airstreams for 20000 bucks, right? And, I'm all, and, and, they're, and they're nothing. And I'm going, no way. Yeah. You see the same one, if not better, for like 5000 bucks. Like I found one today that was $5,000 <laughs> here in Bellingham. Yeah. And the guy was like, I just got to get this out of my driveway. I, I tried to turn it into a tiny home, and I couldn't do it. Uh-huh. And I've listed it to sell for super cheap. And yeah. I'm like, I want to buy that right now. Yeah. Because I'm like, <laughs> Third time's the charm. <laughs> yeah, because that was the deal. Like, some people's failure is another person's success. Yeah. And honestly, I get it. Like, a thousand hours, tens of thousands of dollars to try something that you're not sure is going to work or not. Yeah. And the level of discouragement and, like, fortuitiveness that like you have to have to get through it yeah it, it can make a lot of people just want to quit well and then they want to recoup at least any chunk of that that they can yeah. like i guess five grand <laughs> like, yeah here it is and there's like stuff uh, you could have all the stuff in it <laughs> yeah <Yep>. you know <laughs> the first car i did a serious restoration to was a 1963 ford fairlane and it was my daily driver it was the coolest car. It's the last ford with fins yeah it looked like a rocket ship and I drove that car and drove that car, and then I got hit by a drunk driver. Mm. Didn't have insurance, and I started to restore that car. 
but at the time I'm watching all of those car restoration shows on TV. Right. And, um, I, my ideas are getting bigger yeah, and yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm buying, I'm like cutting out the floor pans and I'm like welded in. I'm learning how to weld the nuke floor pans. And I pulled the engine and I'm rebuilding the whole thing now. Yeah. And like, all I needed to do was replace the fenders in the hood. <laughs> and then exhibit showed up and he's hey. like, I'm going to tip your ride. Exactly. What do you want to do, basketball? You could have a full court in the back. You're like, what? Exactly <laughs> it. Totally. totally. I waited I totally for Exhibit or Chip Foose or somebody to show up yeah. at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. But the, the funny thing about it all was, um, well, not funny is ultimately I had 20 grand into a car that didn't even start. Yeah. And I ended up selling it for four grand oh, just man. to get it out of my shop. Yeah. Uh, it had become such a strain on my life and my relationships and everything else. I was like, I just. Yeah. And so I get it. Like sometimes discouragement can over overcome and you just got to, you got to kind of wipe the slate clean. You got to cut your losses. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't stop me from giving it a shot later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too has to do with like confidence and how you view yourself in this world. And so my, my next question would be, how do you, how do you view yourself? Like who to yourself, who is Sean Taylor to you? Sure. Well, I think in regards to this stuff, um, I'm not afraid to try. Yes. I definitely um, read that. I'm not you. afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. And if I fail, at least I'm going to learn something. Mm. And so, I'm not a master craftsman. I'm not the best woodworker. I'm not the best car guy. I'm not, I suck at diagnosing problems with cars, yeah. right? I could fix it once I figure out what's wrong with it. But if somebody else could tell me what's wrong with it, then great, right? Yeah. So I just have to be okay with the fact that I'm not going to be all these things, but it's an opportunity to learn, grow, or try something. Yeah. And um, I have a very short memory Right. So, oh, my gosh, a thousand hours into that trailer is miserable. It was a ton of work, but now it's a ton of fun. Yeah. And two years later, let's do another one. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And like, we did. And right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then you get in there and you're like, what have I done with my life? Yeah. You know, uh, it, but it, it's I mean, Micah, you know, my, uh, you probably feel the same way as me, but it's like you are one of those people. And I, I told my wife when we first started hanging out more regularly, I was like, this guy says what he means and means what he says. He actually does the things that he tells you he's going to do. Mm. Or, you know, I find that that's more rare in this world. Yeah. Right. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, one of those kind of a shooting star person. I know that that's really cheesy. Sure. I'm a dad. Hey, you know, really cheesy, but it's true. Like you're like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And I'm, I'm, of the the blood the i'm like oh, i'll i'll wait till i see i'll get excited when it's happening mm -hmm. right kind of thing but you time and time again you were you were right on the way you view yourself is what you're putting out there yeah cool well good man yeah, yeah. a little compliment yeah, for you. But it's so true it's it, it's it's rare it's yeah. rare to find in these worlds i mean that's why we we're doing a whole podcast about this yeah you know and changing hearts of people yeah, you know, two things kind of led to this, two conversations kind of led to this podcast idea, which I've been, it has been in my idea book for about four or five years, maybe longer. Again, another. Yeah. Like I, when I got the trailer, my friend Tim was starting an online cigar retail business called Cigars Daily. Yeah. And he was launching it with a YouTube channel and the whole nine. And, um, I went to him for advice. I said, Hey, I'm, I got this Airstream. I'm going to turn it into a cigar lounge. Can you give me some advice? And Tim said to me. Get your tobacco license mm -hmm. and your all your stuff set up. When you get the paperwork done, give me a holler and we'll hang out. Oh, that's so, so three weeks later, I sent him pictures of the paperwork. And next time I was in Arizona, I stopped in and we spent a couple hours together. And I still have all the notes from when we talked. Yeah. Because he's like, he said, man, in like the seven plus years I've been doing this, people ask me all the time how to do this kind of business. He goes... And I tell him the same thing. Go get a license. Go, go get your tobacco's license. Just go get that. And he goes, you're the second person in all these years to do that. Come back to me. It's totally. He's like, nobody does this stuff. And so for me, that was a confidence booster. Yeah. And then when COVID hit and I'm working on the second trailer after I, I went from being a conference speaker to a phone salesman, right? For this company. <laughs> Cause there's no more conferences. Yeah. And my my boss came out to have lunch with me one day and we sat in the half built trailer and I had the other one at my place cause I was refurbishing some of the stuff in it. And he's like, 
Do you ever think about just going back and talking to your middle school self and being like, man, don't worry, dude, you're going to be a badass someday. Yeah. And I thought that's funny because that's not a, I would never say that that's what I am. Sure, sure. But like talking to this guy who's been around for a while to see like, oh, this is really unique what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, again, that's a, that's a pivotal moment. That's, that's the day I started writing about the podcast stuff yeah. because I thought there's other people like that. I know a lot of them. Yeah. Let's start. I should start talking about this stuff. But that was four years ago now um, or three and a half, four years ago yeah. um, when that really started to take shape. And now here we are. Right. Yeah. In a studio that I worked for two months on. And, well, you know, it, it's the, you know, the same thing I was saying before. It's like you put it out there, you put it in your journal or what have you. You just like even that guy who saw that in you and was like, just wouldn't you tell yourself you're going to be a badass. Right. It's yeah. like it's true, though. I mean, like. Not everyone does this. And when we were working at, you know, doing uh, the fair together, together, doing the events and everything there, um, you said you were going to have a podcast. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, oh, OK, like, uh, we'll see, you know, but it's like, I don't know. I think if you put things out in the universe, like good things are going to happen. And if you put them in a journal and you think about them and you put yourself in that environment and, and start making those schedules, the things that we're talking about here, yeah. there's at least a better chance you're going to do something with your life or at sure. least live your dream. Yeah. There's a study. I want to say it was Stanford. So over a decade ago, and they found that anything you write down, mm-hmm. you're 42% more likely to accomplish that thing. Ugh. And I thought those are pretty good odds. Yeah. So I keep idea books and yeah. I just start writing stuff down. And I find that when I go back and look in those books, I'm like, oh, I forgot about, well, kind of building that idea a little bit. But so expand, many of you expand them. Yeah, oh, that's wonderful. So many of the things that I've built over the years and done or whatever it all comes out of. I just wrote it down. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to talk to somebody about it. It's another thing to like write it down. It was yeah. funny when we, you know, we have two cigar lounge trailers mm-hmm. and then we opened a retail store this last year. My business partner, Corey and I. And a couple weeks into opening, this guy came into the store and he was all like surly and angry looking. And Corey, I wasn't there, but Corey could read it on this guy. Yeah. And, you know, Corey's a good dude, right? So he just walks over and he's like, hey, is something wrong? Can I help you? You know, and the guy's like, yeah, you stole my idea. And Corey's like, oh, okay. And Corey's like, well, what was your idea? And the guy said, I had this idea to like do a cigar lounge in a trailer, you know, two and a half years ago. But you guys stole it. And Corey's like, oh. He's like, well, I mean... My business partner built it five years ago. Um, but, then, but then Corey says to the guy, well, have you built, did you build one? Yeah. Well, no. And Corey's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, it's just my, it's just an idea I had. And Corey's like, oh, like, did you write it down? No. <laughs> and so, oh, it's just an idea. Well, Y'all every, are mind readers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just yeah. read it. Yeah, yeah. We just read it out there, right? Yeah. But the reality is, is, a lot of people have really good ideas all the time, but not a lot of people capitalize on those good ideas. Exactly. And really this thing that's so sad to me, and this is why I love talking about this kind of stuff yeah. is if, if only you just tried Exactly. If you just got, I'm just today, I'm just going to write this out a little bit more. Or I'm just going to yeah. go play. I'm just going to go build or I'm going to go do right. Or I'm going to go, I want to climb a mountain. Well, start with hiking, yeah, right? Yeah. I want to race cars. Well, maybe just learn how to drive a car responsibly. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. like, there's a lot of baby steps that get you to getting the bigger things. And yeah. yet we're, we live in such a world where like I can point and click and get what I want in so many instances, but really like the hustle, the grind, the grit, whatever we call it, like it's got to it's got to just come from doing, being faithful with little things and then letting those things build over time. And, and then with that is that guy that comes in, that, that's a story that everyone has that experience of being like, oh, man, I saw it on Instagram. You yeah. know, I, I, I thought of something similar to that. But like just what you're saying, a high percent chance of actually kind of doing something about it. If you maybe work it out a little bit, workshop it, talk yep. to your wife, talk to, to, you know, talk to your husband about that. Yep. You know, come up with these ideas where you can maybe possibly get a better chance of follow through. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had this sketchbook. Yeah. The first person I showed it to was Corey who I had no idea had a trailer sitting in his backyard. Yeah. Yeah. And then I showed it to a bunch of other people and nothing came of it. Yeah. And a couple months later I showed it to one guy 
After the event, we all went out for cigars and dinner. Next thing you know, I have a check. Yeah. And I'm doing the thing. Yeah, because you're out there. You're actively talking about it. You're actively yep. pursuing a dream of yours. I yep. love that. And that business, that, stuff. that tin, the first tin can has been operating for five years now. Yeah. You know? And then one in Montana, correct? Is it Montana? We have one in Bozeman as well, yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's been three years now? Oh, about three years yeah. almost. And that Crazy. one's exploded. Yeah, oh yeah. So they're moving out of the trailer into brick and mortar. They're doing t- um, two different lounges. Um, Whoa. And uh, I'll be getting the, because I own all the trailers. I just lease them. Yeah. So I'll get that trailer back next summer. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and so we have the Argonaut, and then we'll, is that one have a name? Uh, it goes by the Timberline. That's what he wants to okay. call it. Um, I built it for Montana, so it's very, like, Wild West inspired. Gotcha. Like, the walls are stainless steel. There's, like, guns and sabers and, like, beautiful Native American sculptures. Oh, and I love that. other things because I wanted to kind of capture this Western idea. Yeah. also wanted to build LED light walls, so I experimented with... You know, how to make a light wall um, out of LEDs. Um, so not only do you do something twice, you don't do it the same at all. No. <laughs> I love that response, too. Yeah. Like, well, why the heck would I? Why? I you that. know, the neat thing is, is building the first one was a ton of work. Building yeah. the second one was more work, but it wasn't the same yeah. because I'd already done one. Yeah. So, like, if you go to that one, you look like, oh, the benches in the middle are the same. Yeah. But, oh, I put a table and like I built a restaurant booth on one end, essentially. Oh, you know? cool! And on the other end, I got a, a beautiful Corinthian leather couch. Interesting. Um, and so I changed the seating up a little bit because I thought, well, not everybody wants the kind of the rigid seats, which are really comfortable and really fun. Yeah, they all have their own ashtray. They've got cup holder the whole night. They have outlets in the seats right in the yeah. first one, but the second one, it was like, well, maybe somebody might want a lounge. Yeah, or somebody wants a table. I need um, to see pictures of that one, yeah. too. I have not. So. It's beautiful. And that table's funny, too, because, like, when I was building that trailer, I wanted uh, this table to be a centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And I thought back to the slatted walls. And yeah. I thought, well, I'm just going to make a live-edge table. Yeah. But and I was like, no, I want to do, like, a resin table. Did you do a resin table? Yeah, but here's the crazy thing. I was like, I want to get a tomahawk. And I want to float the tomahawk in the resin. And so I got these big slabs of oak that yeah. the Forest Service had brought down, this old growth. My friend has a sawmill. I've made a friend since the first one. And we milled these big oak slabs, and I learned how to do resin. And so I poured this first layer of resin, and I heated it too fast, and I put too much heat, like quick heat chemical in it, and it yeah. cracked, and it looked all ugly. So then I had him come over, and he's like, well, let's put a little dye in. Let's do another level yeah. and, like, dye it kind of black, and you won't see that part. That's crazy. So we did it, and then I had this tomahawk, yeah. this Damascus steel beautiful tomahawk, and I'm like, I want it to look like it's floating in the middle of the resin. Well, the blade's heavy. You know, it's not balanced, right? So yeah. we had to, like, I used a cap off of, a, um, uh, like, a sealant um, like you would use for caulking. Oh yeah, the little white. Yeah, I used a cone. cap and put it underneath there. I set the cap in the resin, Smart. and then I set the tomahawk on it, and then I poured slowly around it yeah. so that it kept the, all the weight balanced. Um, and now when you look in the table, there's this floating tomahawk in this live edge, and it took sixty hours for me to build this thing, and seven or eight hundred dollars in resin. Yeah. Right, but. Is a centerpiece. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a showstopper. And I I learned from the first one, you know what? If you have a big vision, just do it. Just yep. do the extra work. It'll be worth it. You're going to waste that time doing it all over again. Exactly. Three times on the ceiling. Yeah. I've always wanted to learn resin, too. That sidebar. But Super you're gonna fun. Have to tell me. <laughs> you're going to have you, to man. teach me, dude. Yeah. I've always wanted to do stuff. Yeah. I, I follow these guys on Instagram. They make tables and they, they get little Star Wars figurines and they yeah. like the little ships and they make tables look like Star Wars ships flying through. Th- that's the stuff I'm into. Me and my yeah. son look at dioramas on YouTube and I want to make some of those dioramas. They're so in awesome. Resin. In resin. They're yeah. so great. All right, back to this. Okay. Back to, to you. <coughs> I mean, what? Okay, so I know the podcast, uh, we, we discussed this quite a bit, but what is new on the hi- horizons for you? Not just in the podcast, which I also do want to know about, sure. but also just in general for Sean Taylor. Yeah, this is kind of a utility season for me right now. I'm doing yeah. kind of a lot of have to, so I'm building, I'm doing some construction in the evenings right now. Um, and it's a lot of stuff I've never done. I just framed out a big office and I learned about sheetrock and finishing sheetrock and drywall and all yeah. this kind of stuff. I, I, I know how to frame, so I, 
was able to frame it for the most part. Um, but I'd never built like a full interior yeah. office. And, um, so I'm learning those things. Um, right now I just need to make some extra money. Um, my hope is, is to build another cigar trailer. Um, I was talking with some guys that own a gun store and they want to convert a troop transport into a cigar lounge because they just started selling cigars in their gun store. Wait, a troop tr- transport. What is, what is that? So like in the war, when you have a bunch of guys, you had to get troops somewhere. You throw them in the back of these yeah. big old trucks and you'd haul them to wherever they oh, needed to that's be. So cool. And so this is like a mobile command center on a truck yeah, that I, I would that. gut and turn into a lounge for this gun store that sells a ton of cigars. Oh, that'd be amazing. And so I'm really hoping something like that's going to turn out. Yeah. Um, but honestly for me right now, it's a lot of little projects like, yeah. building the studio. I've spent the last couple months doing this kind of on the side and I've built, um, it is gorgeous <laughs> by the way. Thank you. Mike agrees. He's, he's not. <laughs> and I built, um, I'm building a picture frame right now. I found an old mirror and I felt like that mirror needs a frame. So I'm building a picture frame yeah. and I want to build this bed, uh, yes, the piano, bed. piano, right? Like <laughs> still playable. Yeah. Still I'm going to be able to like tickle the ivories <laughs> while I'm, you know, you roll over onto the keys. Exactly. That's what wakes you up. Yeah. <laughs> it's your snooze, right? <laughs> yeah, it's your alarm. Yeah, it's your alarm. So yeah, it's a lot of little projects right now. Yeah. Um, and just trying to find some ways to kind of, uh, make some extra income, but I'm trying to grow the cigar business. I'm trying to grow the DJ business a little bit. So I'm, I'm trying to focus and, and do less kind of bigger projects Yeah. and a lot of little ones. But if I get this, this gun lounge job, that would be, I would definitely do that. It'd be really fun. Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah. I've been loving all of this. This, <laughs> this whole time's been fantastic. Same. Being a part of this with you. And, and, and that's my, again, I know I've, I'm a broken record, but I am the guy, I am like the, the number one listener as far as like, this is what is inspiring me to do this. As mm-hmm. far as like, for me, I want to be a little bit more artistic and, and do things that have been passion project projects for me podcasting was one of them yeah the fact that you brought me on and now we're doing this it's it's being a doer yeah and i am loving picking your brain every day not just right here now but as this goes further well i think the coolest part that i enjoy about all the doing is the community yeah you know i built the last trailer and there was a lot of stuff i didn't know Mm -hmm. i didn't know electrical i didn't know i didn't know how to work with fiberglass yeah um, Jeez, yeah. I had a friend that was really good cook. And so we catered barbecues every Thursday night at my house. And I just had a lot of trades guys come over yeah. and we'd feed them. We'd work for two or three hours and then we'd sit and smoke cigars at the end of the night for another two hours. That's brilliant. Um, but I would, it was all community. It was funny cause I always kind of felt bad imposing on these dudes. But when we got done, they were like, okay, when's the next one? And over like the next year, yeah. One of those guys would check in and be like, hey, are you going to do another one? Like, Because <laughs> yeah. it was just a fun thing for us to do. And you got brisket again? Yeah, we got brisket. <laughs> so that's the fun thing about doing this, too, Like with yeah. you, is like this is something that we – it's not my thing. It's something that we get to do together. Oh, I've been loving it, And man. the thing I love the most about all the kind of stuff that I do is finding, like, finding you and going, now, how does this best fit Ryan? Yeah. Like, how does – how does Ryan be a meaningful part of this? Right. Yeah. The trailer was the same thing. Like, man, I got this guy. He's, he loves sheet metal fabrication and yet he does, he's tired of doing siding on a building. Yeah. So come on over, help me figure out how to do stainless steel walls in an airstream trailer. And it was fun for him. Yeah. It or was like, challenging. It was right? challenging. Yeah. And so all those guys, like they would come over and it was a passion. It was a fun project. Yeah. And so for me, it's always about finding like, how do you fit in this thing? And like, let's just let you go. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I love every second of it, man. (laughs) Your wealth of knowledge. And thank you, all of you, for watching our bromance here unfold on American (laughs) Grass. We're over here like, I just think you're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Well, that, that does it for us on this episode of American Grindstone with Sean Taylor here. Uh, back, as usual, next week with uh, another guest. You know, I, I do want to say we, we have some exciting shows coming up. Oh, yes. And I'm really excited about what we've done here because, again, we're bringing people in with different disciplines mm-hmm. from all walks of life. Yeah. And the idea is hopefully we inspire people oh, for sure, man. to do things that are beyond their own comprehension. I like to say it's beyond what we can ask or imagine, right? And so, like, uh, that's a little something from the Bible. I love that, yeah. by the way. I'm not trying to misuse scripture, but that's, that's I love it. Like, I love yeah, it. Like, in here with Let's this. talk about dreaming bigger yeah. 
than we can even imagine. Yeah. And so the hope is, is that as we bring these guests on, we have a, a, a gaming grandma who is a full-time <laughs> gamer. We have a guy that's restoring a tank. We have a couple world record holders yep. coming on the show. We've got guys that pour concrete all day and then they build motorcycles to end up on magazine covers yep. and they set world records on. And like, you know, we have, we have some really cool guests that are going to be here that are going to dial in mm-hmm. for, I think our, our viewership and our listeners um, and give them just little nuggets of inspiration, Get a little depth to it. Yeah. Right? That maybe will push you off the couch yeah, and into a space where you can start to create build or, or yeah. dream. That's my hope, man. Yeah. I hope I learned from it too. Well, when you, when we were hanging out this summer, we were doing a concert that I was um, managing a concert of a bunch of concert events and I hired Ryan to help me out with it. And when we're talking and you're talking about, man, I love like podcasts. I love like that medium, mm-hmm. you know, one, like the chemistry of like humor and relationship and, um, not that kind of chemistry. But like, but like the, that, but also like, well, Hey, let's just do this. Yeah. You know, like let's just dive in. Yeah. I want to, I don't want to just talk about being doers. Like we want to make doers. Exactly. And if, as this thing grows and progresses, the dream is that we actually get to start doing stuff with people. Yeah. And we get to not just see how people do, but like engage our listeners into doing as well. And we earn our story, baby. Earn our story. Yeah, I love earn it. Earn our story. Also, what we should do is take all of the Guinness World Records people that we have, you included with this, and then we should do a fight. And it will be yes. the biggest fight of Guinness World Record holders in Ooh. Guinness Book history. Guinness World like Record boxing, cage match. <laughs> cage match edition. Yep. It's to the death, actually. It's Never to mind. the death. It's to the death. I'm there can only be now. one. Yeah, there can only yeah. be one Guinness record. You know, it's funny. When I set my record, I found a bunch of other record holders in Whatcom County. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's record holders everywhere. <laughs> one of us. One yeah. of us. Like, what? So I've reached out to a couple of them to be on this thing. It's exciting to kind of see. A couple of them. Wow. Yeah. All right. It's, ex- it's going to be exciting to have them on because to me, that's like the pinnacle of doing, right? Like yeah. I didn't just do, but I did the biggest or the best in the world. Yeah. And at some point I'll share the story about the record that I got to be a part of setting as well. Absolutely. That's going to be next time, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you.